0: An older man came to see a teacher one night. He started speaking as soon as he walked in. Teacher, some of us have been talking. You are obviously a teacher who has come from God. The signs you are doing are proof that God is with you. The teacher quickly interrupted the man as if reading his thoughts. I tell you the truth. Only someone who experiences birth for a second time can hope to see the kingdom of God. The man was taken aback and became frustrated. I am a grown man. How can someone be born again when he is old like me? Am I to crawl back into my mother's womb for a second birth? That's impossible. The teacher continued. I tell you the truth. If someone does not experience water and spirit birth, there is no chance he will make it into the kingdom of God. Like from like, whatever is born from flesh is flesh. Whatever is born from spirit is spirit. Don't be shocked by my words, but I tell you the truth. Even you, an educated and respected man among your people, must be reborn by the Spirit to enter the Kingdom of God. It's an old story, one recorded by John, the disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ in his visit at night, by Nicodemus, a leader of the Jewish people at the time. Reborn. Reborn. Paul speaks of it as a new creation. Interesting. Now, over the last few months, we have been looking at Paul's letter to the Galatian believers. And the big message that was there was that even though Paul had taught these people, they needed just to believe the Lord Jesus Christ had died for them on the cross and that God accepted them because of it. That was it. And Paul was pleased that they got it. And he left. Only to find out later that some false teachers had come in and said, Aha, no, no, no. To complete your salvation, even to be saved, you got to do a lot of good things for God. You got to serve him. You got to get it done. And this could complement What Jesus did. Paul was furious. He called his dear brothers foolish. They missed the point. We have freedom in Christ. We believe. And that's sufficient. We're such doers, especially those of us here in the Northeast. We can do anything. We can get it done. And yet here, God was saying, no, you can't. Mess up one of the Ten Commandments, for instance, and you've messed up all of them. You've got to let me do it, God is saying. My son died. Believe he died. He took your sins upon himself. Believe it, and you're done. But in this last section of the book of Galatians, and we finish it today, just eight verses. Paul introduces a new concept. It's sort of been there all along in the rest of the book, but we paid attention more to the believe part, to the not works, Christ alone part. And that is the new creation that is reborn. What we're gonna talk about today in these eight verses is that new creation. Why is it important Why is it necessary for a Christian? And then we'll touch a little bit upon what happens if you're not a Christian. We're going to look at several sections, God's truth, the cross, of course, the new creation, the marks of Jesus, and God's grace. If you have your Bibles open, look at verses 12 and 13 of Galatians 6. 12 and 13 of Galatians 6. I'll read them for you. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. This is the law part. This is the do good part. This is please God by what you're accomplishing. Circumcision is just a symbol of that. It was a religious rite among the Jewish people Knowing the true message of God is the key to a new creation. The false teachers told the Galatian believers that they must be circumcised and do other religious works to be complete Christians. Paul warned about the false teachers. He had said earlier in the book, these people are zealous to win you over but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous." for them. He talked about their motives. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. They taught their false doctrine to earn points with their friends. Second, the only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. They were motivated by their fear of being persecuted. I'm not like Paul. Don't beat me up. And third, also verse 13, they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. These false teachers wanted boasting rights for flipping these new believers into a false doctrine. And oh, by the way, uh, Paul pointed out that these teachers didn't keep the very law they wanted the Galatians to keep. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law. Here's the lesson in these two verses Don't let anyone distort your understanding of scripture and the new creation. False teachers today? No. I'm afraid there are false teachers. Turn on your TV. Check your radio. Look around. The apostle forewarned the churches about false teachers. I know that after I leave, Acts 20, verse 29 Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. False teachers? Yeah, they're around. So how do you defend yourself? I'm no scholar. I know the Bible somewhat, but do, do I know enough? Your best defense against false teachers is to be comparing is to compare what you hear with what you read in the word of God. Why do we carry around our Bibles or our phones with a Bible translation of our choice? Why? Because the Bible is the center part of our faith. Listen to what Luke wrote about believers living in Berea, mentioned in Acts 17 many many years ago. Now the Bereans were more noble, were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and, get this, examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Are you kidding me? It was Paul. Come on, guys. Yet they received it eagerly, but then they checked their Bibles to be sure what Paul was saying was true. That's the best defense. So you start by basing your new creation on the truth of the word of God. Then the cross. First part of verse 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The false teachers were boasting on what they accomplished. Look how many people I flipped. I sold them a bill of goods. Aren't I great? And Paul said, May I never boast in something like that. My boasting is only the cross. Why? Because it is God alone that has engineered your salvation through Jesus Christ. And we will see it is God alone who will enable you to live the Christian life. The cross speaks of God's total love and his single-handed rescue of men and women through his son's death at Calvary. Single-handed. Colossians 2.14, Paul writes, Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. The New, New uh, Living Translation makes it a bit clearer. He canceled the record of the charges against us, against me, and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Yeah, but you don't know what I did. You don't know what I, what I sinned like then, or yesterday. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by mailing it, nailing it to the cross. Bible teacher John MacArthur writes in his commentary on Galatians, Paul gloried in the cross because it was the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross that was the source of his and every believer's righteousness and acceptance before God. It brought an end of his hopeless frustration in pursuing God through works. Lesson, never forget that Christ's sacrifice on the cross is your door to the new creation. Back then, the cross was a symbol of shame. It was where the worst of criminals were punished terribly in their death as a punishment for crime. Today it would be like wearing a gold electric chair around our neck. It was a symbol of death, but it was a symbol of a sacrificial death by the Son of God, the only one who would complete the law, the only one who was righteous enough to take all of our sins upon him and die on that cross. So never forget Christ's sacrifice. That's the door to the new creation. So what is the new creation? Second part of 14 and verse 15, listen to what Paul writes here at the end of Galatians. Through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even the Israel of God. I'm going to suggest several truths here as we walk through this subject of the new creation. It's a look at what happens to a person when they accept Jesus Christ as Savior, when they believe that Christ died for them personally. The new creation means the world is now dead to us. 14, through which the world has been crucified to me. Executed to me. New Century Version translates that verse, through the cross of Jesus, my world was crucified. When we receive Christ, we were in effect crucified on the cross with Christ so that the world died to us. If you were executed, God forbid, for a crime, You don't have to worry about the world anymore. You're not here anymore. By being placed, if you will, with Christ when he was crucified, the world is dead to us. Romans 6, 6 and 7 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. This is such a revelation. You don't have to obey the call to sin anymore. You're not a slave of sin. When you didn't know Christ, you were sin's plaything. The world had you just where they wanted you. But now you have a choice because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So the new creation means the world is now dead to us, but it also means a spiritual new self has come to live within us after you believed and accepted Christ as your savior. Check this out, the NIV Sondervan Study Bible says this, the translation given in the NIV text note, that person is a new creation refers to the radical reorientation of life that comes from regeneration. See, you're regenerated when you accept Christ as Savior. When a person, he goes on, becomes a Christian, God totally restructures their life, altering its fabric, thinking, feeling, willing, and acting. In this new creation, however, understood, one set of conditions or relationships has passed out of existence and a new set has come to stay. As a believer, you have a new nature, a new self, a spiritual nature and self. This is part of being reborn. And that new nature thinks differently, thinks like God thinks, thinks in love, thinks in service, you're reoriented. But there's more, just like the TV ads that go on all night long, buy this wonderful thing from Ronco, and but there's more. The new creation, this new self, is born of the Holy Spirit in you. You understand it? No. Christ described it as wind. It blows this way and blows that way. No one knows where it's coming or where it's going but it's part of what happens in the new birth when you accept Christ as your Savior. Listen to some amazing verses about this new self. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. James 1.18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that what we might be kind, a kind of first fruits of all created. Brand new fruit, us. Ephesians 4.24, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You have a new part of you that is righteous and holy. Colossians 3.10 and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Cool. And lastly 1 Corinthians 2.16 for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of Christ. The new self brings all that with it. Now The old self is still there. Steve still is going to be kind of drawn away to choose some bad things, but I'm not a slave to it anymore. I've been freed. I may choose to do it if I'm stupid and I can be frequently, but I don't have to. The new self is there. And there's another point. The new creation means the spirit of God in you, in you. God's Spirit lives in you when you become a Christian. Remember when Christ was going, when he was here on earth, and the disciples were upset, and he said, but when I go, I will send a counselor to you, a comforter to you. Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, Whom you have received from God, you are not your own. So besides the new self, the new nature that has the mind of Christ, recognizes the creator of God, filled with righteousness and holiness, besides that bent in you now, God sends himself in his Holy Spirit in you, in you, to lead and direct you and to help you. Remember what the Lord told his disciples before Pentecost? But you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Listen to what else the Spirit does. The Spirit will direct you as to what to do. You'll hear someone say, well, the Holy Spirit led me to do this. Romans 8.5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. My inclination to go the bad way. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So the Spirit gives us desires, mentions things that we need to do. You ever think about helping someone? Joe's story, he just decided that, you know, the Lord was telling him, maybe go sit with him. He might be a little grouchy, and, but, but go sit with him, Holy Spirit. God's Spirit also encourages us to pray and intercedes on our behalf. Get these two verses, Romans 8:15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of worship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. We have been adopted, and we have a right to call on Daddy and ask him for help. The Spirit reminds us of that. Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I love this. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words can't express. I don't know what that means. Some communication between the Holy Spirit and the Father. I need help. He needs help. He's weak. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And lastly, God's Spirit produces fruit in us to live by. We talked about that a week or two ago. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Isn't it great when you first see the tomatoes come up on your tomato plant? They start turning red? Fruit! Now, I did not have to give a lecture to that tomato plant. Please. We love salad here. Please grow. Get on it. It just does it. It was created to produce fruit. And what's cool is the Holy Spirit who lives within us produces fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, yes, even self-control. One last thing, our assignment. You are no longer the slave of sin, so by the Spirit you can put to death the sinful desires in your life. Galatians 14, the very last part, I have been crucified to the world. Again, the New Living Translation, and the world's interest in me has died. Paul writes, and he wrote earlier in chapter 5 in Galatians, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the sinful nature, because we can and we do, but you can avoid it. You're going to win all the time? No. Are you going to be perfect now? No. But you can win. Another point on the new creation. The new creation means we represent the Lord to the world. And we do. An act of kindness that you do, even if you don't identify yourself as to who you are, people are going to say, that person's different. I mean, he went out of his way. She went to all that trouble. What, what's with her? She's not like everybody else. Galatians 6, 16, verse 16 in the New Living Translation, may, the God, may God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God, and we are. Israel was God's people. The church has become God's people, not to exclude the Jewish people. To focus upon yourself as a God-created new creation is the rule or standard by which you will be representative to the world. Because Paul wrote this. The Galatians were foolish to think that they had to add to their salvation by working real hard for God, which wasn't accomplishing anything. So Paul comes and says, listen, there's a new creation, and I'm going to show you that God gives you everything you need. But he wrote it, and he said it, Because people don't do it. You've got to be aware of it. God gave the Christian everything in the new creation to be successful in the Christian life. You buy a car, take delivery of a car, brand new. You just are so excited. And because of a little horse trading with the uh, salesperson, you were able to get all of the options on that car at a great price. You are so excited. You start the car up and you drive it and you are just having a ball. But you don't realize that there's a place to listen to your songs in the car. There's a track control for slippery weather. There's a rear defogger. There is special emergency lighting. There is special custom seats that are heated. All of these things, but you don't care. You just start it up and you drive it. I'm being facetious, but God is giving us all of these options. You got them. Use them. Just a couple of points. The marks of Jesus. Uninteresting that he says this at the end. Verse 17, finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Yeah, that's part of the new creation, too, because that's trials. That's persecution. Paul was left for dead. Paul was whipped. Paul suffered so many marks on his body. What is Paul saying by mentioning it here? We know circumcision is a cutting, is, is a surgery type of thing. He's saying, my marks are better than circumcision. He's also saying what was alluded to back then, and that is whether it was a human being, a slave, or even an animal, a stamp, a mark, a brand was put on that person as a slave, that animal. These wounds that he has endured, the persecution that you go through, the trials you go through in the name of Christ, That says you belong to the Lord. You've been branded by him. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And the last verse, verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers, amen. God's grace, God's grace alone The Wycliffe Bible Commentary writes, this parting word with its emphasis on grace summarizes the message of the epistle as a whole. Nothing could be more appropriate. All we have as a Christian before and after salvation comes completely from the Lord. Don't mess it up by trying to improve it with your work. So here's my challenge. Why should the new creation be so important to you as a Christian? Our human efforts won't do. They just won't. I am really going to get serious about serving the Lord this week. Except for all the other things that got in the way and I didn't. Except for the sin that got in the way that I chose to do. Our old self can't live the life. You have a new self now, a spiritual life, a new creation. The old King James said, a new creature. That's who you are, that part of you. It's also important because your new spiritual self will help you live the life. It's ready to do it. It has the mind of Christ. The new creation makes the difference. And lastly, You can't do it alone. You need help. And that's where God comes in. And that's where the Holy Spirit in particular comes in. He's given us all that pertains to life and godliness. Getting saved, living as a Christian. There may be some people here who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe one. And it seems so unfair. Jesus told people, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. That's crazy. It can't be. So there are two choices to try to be perfect. You alone. Work as hard as you can to please God. Religions of the world, all of them but true christianity teach that follow all these rules obey all these things and then maybe maybe you'll please god the problem is trying to keep these rules it's a losing fight and as i said earlier failure to keep every commandment means you fail in all of them and are cursed as a sinner for your trouble game over Other choice, God alone. If you don't know how to get into the kingdom of God, you don't understand it, let God do it. Let God do it all for you. Just believe in him. He loves you with all his heart and sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for all of your sin, not some of your sin, all of your sin. All you do is accept Jesus as your savior by believing his offer of forgiveness for your sins. He does it all. Your choice, your works, you alone or God alone. David Jeremiah tells the story of a bout he had with cancer about 20 years ago. He went to the doctor and the doctor told him the type of cancer he had. And as he told the story, he mentioned everything the doctor said was bad, everything. And as people will do today, he went home, and looked on the internet, and everything he read was bad news. Follow-up appointment, he met with the doctor, and the doctor told him, that your form of this cancer is treatable and I believe I can cure you. And he used this as an illustration of the fact that if he said, if I had just said thanks, I'll handle it, and walked out, he would have been dead of cancer. But he accepted the offer that the doctor could cure him. So as we think of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't know him, you're here, you love the people, everything's great, have a lot of good friends, but never quite accepted Jesus to believe that he died on the cross for you, accept the offer. Accept the offer. Remember, it's your choice. He will not turn you into a robot and say, gee, isn't that great? The robot loves me. He makes it your choice. He wants you to love it him because you love him so Christian don't forget the new creation don't forget your options they're all there flip the switch call on the Holy Spirit trust in him if you don't know the Lord make the right choice talk to one of us I'd be glad to talk to you anyone here today let's close our time in prayer Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. Grace, Father, all we can think of is the old uh, acronym. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Father, we thank you that you have done it all and you will do it all for us as believers. You can save people this morning and you can help us as Christians live today and through the week and the days ahead. Speak to our heart from these last eight verses, just a few, and all of that we've heard Pastor Dick and others teach us about this book in Galatians. Lord, we love you. We ask that you would continue to use us for your glory in everything. Thank you for your blessings upon this church. In Jesus' name, amen.